want to just recap a little bit um, so that we're all on the same page. Some of you guys, this is your very first week at Ethos. This is your very first time with us at Marathon, and we're so glad that you're here. Others of you, maybe you've been out uh, for a few weeks and so you have no idea what's been going on. So I just want to catch us all up. And so for the past four Sundays, our entire church, um, we've all been together um, under one roof for the past four weeks. And uh, the, the purpose of these four weeks, it, it wasn't just about Sundays. Like, it wasn't just about us all being together and feeling good and seeing how um, incredible our church is. No, the, 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 that was kind of the backdrop of, of something bigger that, that God was kind of stirring in us. You see, that for the past 29 days, we have um, been really seeking the heart of God, going after God in a time of, of 30 days of, of prayer and fasting. We challenge every person in our church to, to take a step with God and, and seeking him a little bit more fully, a little bit more intently in prayer and fasting. And I just want to say this. I don't, I don't know what the, the, the past four Sundays have been like for you, if you've even been able to be with us. I don't know what the, this journey of prayer and fasting, what that's looked like, what it's been like for you. But I do know this, that because we are all humans and we all have different preferences, that some of you, you just hated being all together. Like, it's your person, you, you hated going to different locations, you hated having to, to think through all those logistics. And then there are others of you, probably the person sitting right beside you, that is sad that we're here this morning and we're not all together. And, and it, it's crazy that our preferences for, for things like that. For some of you, um, you have engaged with prayer and fasting. Others of you have been reluctant to. Some of you have had good experiences. Some have really struggled. For me personally, I've enjoyed the past four Sundays. I've benefited from the fast. I was telling Andrew that I was telling him this week, I kind of feel like I do over Christmas. I've been traveling, like, past four weeks have been out of my routine. It feels like I've just been sitting at other people's um, dining room table, sitting on their couches, and I'm just ready to be home with my people <laughs> on my couch in my PJs, and I'm just so glad to be here with you this morning. And, and I was hoping we'd all show up in PJs, but none of us did, and that's okay. But, but I, I'm, I'm so glad to just be back with you. I missed you. That there's something powerful about us all being together, but there's something special about us getting to be in a room together, back as family, as our people. I'll say this about the fast, though. I'm ready for it to be done. I'm ready to have some freedom back. I'm ready to have my freedom back. This is what I want us to talk about today. You know, next week we're going to have, take kind of our whole Sunday and we're going to just spend some time reflecting and thinking back on these past 30 days and, and what God has done and what we think God might be doing in us. But, but the question I want us to think about this morning is, is where do we go from here? So today and tomorrow, you know, our, our church family, we're praying, we're fasting, we're pressing into the Lord, but, but, but then what? What do we do with the freedom that we'll be given on Tuesday? What are we supposed to do? Are we supposed to take things that we've learned and tried and incorporate them into our lives? Are we supposed to just kind of move back into to life as it was before all this? What do we do with our freedom? This is a question that we've been wrestling with. What do we, how do we help our church, Andrew and Anna on our team? How do we help us? Keep going, keep pressing into the heart of God. On Thursday morning, um, my son, Jones, he just has this habit of waking up early and um, too early for my preferences. And so he, he woke up and as I often do when he wakes up early, I go and I lay in his bed with him and try to just get him comforted and just fall back asleep. And I'm laying in his bed and, and I just, I'm just, I'm thinking about this morning, I'm thinking about our church and I'm, you know, I spent all week trying to, 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 to pray and to press into to what we're, we're going to be talking about this morning. I just didn't really have a ton of clarity. And so I'm just laying in his bed and I'm praying, God, like all the vocabulary in the world is yours and, and you're wise and, and you're holy and you're good and you love the people at Marathon and you know what we need to hear. Would you just, would you just make it clear to me? Would you just give me like illustrations and stories? 
stories and words, would you just help this word come to life? Laying his bed praying, about five minutes later, this word comes to my mind. And it's the word ubiquitous. And I'm laying in his bed, I'm going, I don't know what that word means, God. And some of you just judge me. You're like, I can't believe one of our preachers doesn't know what the word ubiquitous is. And, and others of you are sitting there going, man, I hope he tells us. Because I don't want, <laughs> I don't know what it means. I don't want to pull out my phone. My wife thinks that I know what it means, but I really don't. And, and so I'm going to tell you what the word ubiquitous means. Uh, pulled out my phone, laying in his bed, and, and the word means present. It means appearing. It means found everywhere. Ubiquitous means present. It means appearing. It means found everywhere. And I just read that and I thought, okay, God. And I think what God was showing me this week is on Thursday is that his hopes for us as we move forward as a, a family that is hopefully being shaped by prayer, that we would understand that he is ubiquitous with us. You know, the reality is that we can do things like we've done the past 29 days, and my guess is that we'll keep doing these things. Like, we'll have intense times of prayer and fasting, really just seeking the heart of God, and it will be a good month for us overall as a church. But I think God's hope for us is, is bigger than us just offering prayers on Sunday mornings when we're together. And his, and his hope for us is bigger than us just having 30-day programs of, of praying. His hope for us is that individually and communally, we will be people who understand that God is ubiquitous and that we would press into him. When we're in the car on the way to work, when we're in our condo, when we get home as we're hanging out with our house churches and when we're going on hikes, that we would be people that become aware that God is ubiquitous, that we would press into him, that prayer wouldn't just be something that we do on Sunday mornings, but it would be a regular part of our life. I want to show us this morning what I hope to do is to show us why he is worth praying to. I'm going to try to convince you why he is worth setting aside the discipline and helping us understand more fully why God is worth pressing into. And so the past four weeks, if you've been with us, uh, we've kind of been anchored in the Lord's Prayer in Matthew chapter 6, and, and, and Dave has kind of given us this, this big picture of, of God and his holiness and what the scope of what God wants to do in our world. And so, you know, the first part of the Lord's Prayer, if you've ever read it before, if you've ever prayed it before, you know, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And we get just this cosmic-sized picture of God. But I love that for the rest of the prayer, we get the picture of a different side of God. Not the big and distant and, and holy and above, not distant, that's a bad word, the big and above and, and cosmic, but we get the picture of the, the God who is involved in the daily lives, in the minutia. So I love the second part of the prayer. It says, give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us of our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And so what I hope to do this morning is just to help us walk through really quickly the last part of the Lord's Prayer to help us understand why God is worth pressing into. So I love that this, this prayer that he tells us to pray that Jesus, you know, he's got his people around him and they want to know how to pray. And Jesus says, if you want to know how to pray, this is what you need to start incorporating into your prayer life. Give us this day our daily bread, Father. 
And of all the things that, that Jesus could have told us to pray about, he tells us to pray for daily bread. He says, I want it to be a regular part of your life, Zach. And Aaron, I want it to be a regular part of your life, Carly and Cash. I want it to be a regular part of your life to come to God and ask him for the daily things that you need. And it is physical, most certainly the, the physical things that we need. But I also believe that when he tells us to ask for daily bread, it's more than just, just food for our tummies. He's telling us to ask for the things that we need socially. We are complex and, and wonderfully made human beings. And we are more than just physical beings. We, are, we have social and psychological and physical and emotional and all these other things that make us who we are. And he says, I want you to, to pray for the things that you need holistically for who you are. And so I was thinking about that. You know, the reality is that, that I'm not waking up every morning asking God for daily bread. For whatever reason, God is, but Brandon Steele in Nashville, Tennessee with a job where I have food in my pantry every single morning. I'm not waking up dependent on God to, to, to give me daily bread. I understand that it all comes from him. But God has been opening my eyes to see the other things that I need daily. Pray that I pray for my wife every day. Try to anyways. God, would you give my wife patience today? Would you give my wife peace today? She has three crazy children at home, God. She needs your supernatural strength and energy and joy. Give her wisdom and praying for my wife's bread, the things that she needs from God on a daily basis, or I think for me, the, the things that I pray for me, the, da the daily bread that I come to God for, that, that he would give me boldness to stand with Jesus in every circle and every conversation I find myself in. That I would not find myself in a situation shying back or being ashamed of him. That he would fill me with his spirit so that I could stand with him, so that I could share him. I ask God every day to guard my heart, to guard my eyes, the things that I'm looking at. Ask God for energy. And I love that Jesus, the creator of every single one of us, he tells us to ask for the things that we need because he cares about us. He cares about us. One of the things that my kids do, they wake up in the morning, especially Finley, my four and a half year old, she, she wakes up and one of the first things she does is she says, Dad, can I have a granola bar for breakfast? And I'm like, it is so much easier for, for her just to come up to me and ask me for what she wants, what she needs. And Jones is a different conversation. I'm like, do you want cereal? No. Do you want a waffle? No. Do you want a popsicle? No. What do you want? Just tell me what you want. I, I want to give you something. And the picture of, of our God is he wants us to come to him with our very real needs. God, I'm single and I want to be married. And this fight to be holy, this fight to be pure is hard. Would you give me strength today? God, I want to have a baby, but we're not able to have a baby. God, would you give us what we need today? God, I don't like the job that I'm in right now. I don't like what I'm doing professionally, but I want to represent you. Would you give me joy in the midst of just sitting in front of a computer all day? We come to him asking him to give us the physical need because he delights in us coming to him. He wants us to come to him. We keep praying. I love this next part of the prayer. He says, Father, for, forgive us of our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. 
That Jesus would tell us to ask for forgiveness for our sins implies that he knows we will sin. And it doesn't mean that he's happy about it. It doesn't mean that he's okay with it. But 2,000 years ago, when he gave us this prayer to pray, he knew that we are weak people. Just like Romans chapter 7 says, that we keep doing the things that we do not want to do. And he invites us in the midst of our weakness, in the midst of our sin, to come to God, owning up to, taking responsibility for our sin. Not running from him, not being in denial. One of the prayers that I've become just very comfortable praying the past 20 years trying to follow Jesus is a prayer from Psalm 57, verse 1, where it just says, have mercy on me, O God. I need your mercy, God. I'm not the man I want to be. I'm not the man that you want me to be yet. But I know that your mercy is good. And as we come to him in prayer, as we understand that, that as we're driving, we can confess. As we're, as we're sitting in our house, we can confess our sins because he is ubiquitous, because he is always with us. That when we own up to who we've been, to what we've done, that we always meet a God who shows us his son, Jesus. Who reminds us of the cross, who reminds us of the blood, who reminds us of the hand that took our sin. So we can be forgiven, so we can be free, so that we can be at peace with God, saved forever. When you truly let Jesus have and take and forgive your sin, I'm talking about the, the sin that really just troubles you. That thing that you can't seem to shake, that thing that you keep falling back into, the sin that keeps you awake at night. When you let Jesus really take that from you and forgive you, man, you find a strength. You find a grace for yourself and a grace to give to others. I remember having a conversation with Amos a little while ago, and to be honest, I was just having a really hard time forgiving someone in my life who had hurt me. And we were talking, what we discovered as I was talking is, is that, 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 that forgiveness is when, when people have really hurt us, so often it's not just a one and done. Oh, good, I'm forgiving them. It is over. Thank goodness. That is not the way that it seems to work. So often that forgiveness is a daily choice. And coming in the presence of God, you discover that, that you have hurt other people, that you have sinned, and you find grace, and you find strength. And it doesn't mean that it's easy. But God enables us to become like him, to begin forgiven and forgiving people. And I love the final part of this prayer that Jesus tells us to pray. He says, deliver us. He says, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. This is a regular part of our prayers. You know, Jesus knew that there was an acknowledgement that there's a very real evil one in this world. And yet it is God's desire to deliver us from him, from all his schemes, from all his traps, from all of his lies. And I just want to say this, that there is strength in God. There is a power that is available in God to fight and win, to deliver us from every evil attack, from every time the enemy comes knocking on our door. 
let you in on my life, letting you just be uh, t- to know the real me, moment of vulnerability. You know, last week, I recall this, mem- this, this moment rather sharply. There was this, this moment, there was an inner pull in, in my heart. Have you ever felt this before? An inner pull to, to, to look lustfully at a woman that's not my wife? You ever just felt like temptation, something inside of you just pulling you like. And I remember in that moment, like thinking a couple things. The first thing that I thought is, is, is I don't want to look. And I don't want to look. I don't want to give in to this. And, and, and I had the, the, the clarity of mind by the grace of God to, to think back on times in my life where I've not been strong, where I've just given in and allowed the flesh or whatever it is to, 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 to have its way. And I remember those feelings of just disappointment. And so in that moment, instead of just giving in to the pull, instead of just, instead of just uh, settling for forgiveness on the other side, I, I just start praying. There's something about this, these past 29 days that God has been opening my eyes to the daily pursuit of the enemy, and it is our job as a people of God to come to him daily for strength, moment by moment, sometimes for strength. I'm just crying out to God, God, would you give me strength? I don't want to lust. I, I want to have eyes for my wife. I want to have my eyes for you, and I don't want this. And so, God, would you go to war for me? And I'm telling you, there was a battle going on in my heart that Jesus won. And I don't know if you've ever been there. Where the enemy comes and you feel something that is not of you, give you the strength and the power to deliver. And we are in a very real battle with a very real enemy. And yet Jesus tells us to pray for strength, to trust that God will give us what we need. See, I believe that in this prayer in Matthew 6 and in the prayer life that he's trying to to keep advancing us along in. That in prayer, God is wanting us to understand that that he cares about his glory. And he cares about our good. He cares about the big and he cares about the small. He cares about the the kingdom of heaven filling the earth. And he cares about us meeting our needs daily. Our team has been talking and and asking and anticipating what's next for us as a church. How do we come out of fast forward? How do we come out of these 30 days? I've never done Whole30 before. Some of you guys, a lot of you maybe have done Whole30. Maybe you've done a diet before or something along these lines. And I think this is true. You can correct me if I'm not. But you do those things so that you can make adjustments when you come out of them. It's never just meant to be a, a permanent lifestyle that you, you just kind of hit the reset button. You train yourself in, in some different ways. The question we've been asking is, is, how do we come out of these 30 days? Some of you had have, have had unbelievable breakthrough with the Lord past 30 days. Some of you had just unbelievable connection and intimacy with the Lord. Maybe you gave up TV or you gave up social media and you used that time to start seeking the Lord. Maybe you fasted from food and you were blessed immensely. Others of you, the past 30 days, haven't been marked by breakthrough and intimacy. The reality is, as you look at your, the past 30 days, it's been hard. Maybe you've even struggled more than you have before. And I just want to say this, that you are not any less spiritual. If you didn't have breakthrough, if the past 30 days wasn't like a 30-day trip to Disney World for you, 
One of the prayers that I've been praying for our church family is that for every person, I've just been praying this, that, that for every person who has, who has set aside something to, to seek the face of God, that God would reward them with his presence. Because here's what I know, that when you connect with God, that when you experience God, when things start happening around you, and when God allows you to be a part of it, when you realize that your prayers are being heard by God, when you realize that your prayers, God is using them, using you to change things, the reality is you don't want to hit pause. You don't want to stop. No, you, you want more. You want more of God. This past week, one of my good friends, she messaged our team and she said, hey, this, this person that I've been discipling, this person that didn't know God, that I've been walking with her and loving her and serving her. And, and, and we, we gathered one morning this week and we were just praying for this particular person. And, 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 and that night, this woman gets baptized in like a 12-hour period. Like I know that it's much larger than that, but, but we prayed for this woman by name specifically that morning, and this night she gets baptized, and, and I'm reading this message that my friend sends me about this girl, and I realize, I go back to my prayer journal, and I've been praying for this girl. And I'm not saying that, that this woman became a Christian because I prayed for this woman, but I'm telling you, when, when you start to pray for things and when God starts to like put life and breath and bone, when the kingdom of heaven starts advancing and you realize that you're a part of it, you don't want to go back. And I don't think the solution is for us just to fast for the rest of our lives until we die. I don't know how long the human body can go. If there's a nutritionist, you can come tell me afterwards, but I don't think it's much more than 40 or 50 days, something like that. I don't think the solution is for us to fast for the next 40 days and then just die. I don't think that's what he's calling us to do. I don't think that we're supposed to just unplug from, from this world and from society. But I'm going, God, what is it you have for us? God, we, we want you. We want to be your people. We want to be marked by your presence. We, we want you, God. When you taste God, when you experience God, when you realize that, that you are, are made to live in the presence of God, that he is ubiquitous, you, you want him more and more. You want more of his heart beating in your life. And I'm telling you, God is doing something. God is doing something in our church. The fact that we set aside 30 days to go hard after God, I've just had this sense that God has taken delight in us as a church family. So what do we do? What do you do? What do we do going forward from here? I want to give us just two questions to think about. Maybe you'll have the answers this morning. It, it might be just a longer conversation for you to have with your friends, your house church, your spouse. The first question is this. What are the subtle things that you want to do in response to the past 29 days? What are the subtle things that you want to do in response to the past 29 days? What are the subtle things, the subtle, the subtle things that you want to do differently? This might be an idea. Get your gears going. Maybe um, just if you've never been someone that, that, that prayed before you, you, you eat, to so just start praying and thanking God for food. 
of the things that I've been reminded of that when Jesus would, would serve food, that he was praying, he was thanking the Father for it. Even in Paul, the end of the book of Acts, that he's on the ship and he's serving food and he's, he's thanking God for it. And, and, and some of us, this might just be a great subtle way for us to keep acknowledging the ubiquitousness of God. That is, before you have that just delicious burrito from Baja in front of you, before you're about to just, you know, go to town on it, that, that you just give God thanks. And it might feel weird because you've never done this before, and you don't know if the person even believes in Jesus that's sitting across the table for you, and it's okay because all food is from him. I wonder what God will do with just the, the subtleness of just thanking him for food. You know, some of you, one of the things that I've realized doing this fast is that, that, that God has, has shown me that, that for a lot of us, you know, if you chose to fast from food this time, uh, we, we made the choice to, to fast from food. There are people all over the world that don't get that choice. That they're not fasting for spiritual purposes, they're fasting because they don't have any money, they don't have any food. And maybe something that has awakened in you over the past 29 days is a concern for people who are hungry. Second Harvest Food Banks, wonderful place, ministry here in Nashville that, that feeds hungry people here in our city. The Nashville Rescue Mission feeds hungry people if you're looking for ways to, to get involved, a subtle just shift in your life. Maybe you have a desire to do something more. You know, one of the things that Courtney and I do is we sponsor a kid through Compassion International. A kid that more than likely we'll never get to see or meet in this lifetime. And it seems so little, so easy, but just to, to give a little, to, to feed hungry children. Think about maybe a subtle way is, is just to start giving here at church. You know, Josh, Josh Mosley's our, I don't know, what, I don't even know what your title is. You're the executive pastor. Josh is, I don't know what, we'll call him that. Um, you know, Josh is one of his responsibilities to handle the finances for our church. Because Josh and I have been doing life for a long time because we're good buddies, you know, and I, I just know this guy's heart. I know his, his wife's heart. I know them just so well and love them so much. And, and I'm telling you, one of the things that, that he cares so deeply about is stewarding our money, not just over there, but here in our city. I cannot remember a time where I've found out about a need through a house church or just through someone in our church family that someone was hungry or someone who couldn't pay their bills or someone who couldn't pay their electric, you know, or, or, or who couldn't buy groceries. And there's not been a time where I've not brought a request to Josh and he hasn't made it happen. And he views very seriously his job of stewarding our money to take care of the hungry and the poor in our city. A subtle way of that God might be inviting you, something you've learned, being shaved the past 29 days, is just a steward. Your time, your resources in a little bit different way. The, the, the second question I want us to think about, not of the subtle ways, but this is the, uh, a little bit maybe more in, intense way, is, is are there shifts just in your life that you want to start making? What are the subtle things you want to do? What are the shifts that you want to make? Maybe you want to start fasting once a month with your house church. Maybe you want to start, maybe you want to set aside TV a couple nights a week, every night of the week, to, to instead read and pray. Maybe you want to give up social media at night or on the weekends to be with the Lord. Maybe you want to start praying with people. You know, one of my favorite things that we did over the past four weeks, we had people standing at the door just praying for people as they came in. And I'm going, man, if, if you've ever been blessed by someone praying for you, 
Do you realize that you have the same spirit, the same authority inside of you? And as you go to work this week, as you go to school, maybe one of the greatest things you can do is just ask one of your coworkers, hey, can I pray for you? And it's going to require just a little bit of courage. Start praying for the people, to start spreading, to start inviting our people all over the city to experience the God that we know and love. Maybe God has put something specific on your heart to engage with refugees, to become more active in caring for them in our city, in our country. What are the shifts that God is asking you to make? I'll say this, our God is ubiquitous. He's present with us now. He's present with us when we leave. And I hope, if nothing else, these past 30 days have opened our eyes to see him more and more in what he's doing. And my hope for us is that we would not be done seeing God. Um, I'm going to invite you right now. Um, I'm done with my piece. Andrew is going to lead us through communion. He's going to lead us through a time of communal prayer. And so I want to just invite you right now to, to go and to get a piece of, of bread and to get a cup of